Hello. Welcome to the Daily Cron for Saturday, March 14th, 2020. I'm your host, Stephen Tolton, and it is day two of the lockdown quarantine, whatever you want to call it here in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. It's actually getting expanded, I think, tomorrow. Or, or, or yeah, I think tomorrow to basically the rest of the counties surrounding Philadelphia. So fun times here. But continuing in my plan to talk about things only tangentially related to the coronavirus, uh, today I want to talk about a movie I saw because we're all kind of stuck at home right now. At least I am, uh, you know, especially on a weekend <clears throat> when you're not supposed to go to crowds. And I, you know, so I'm home. I'm home here. I'm watching a movie that I apparently rented. I don't know, months ago, and I forgot about it, and I saw it on my Apple TV uh, warning me that it was about to expire, so I watched it, and that movie was Code 8. So I thought I'd give you a little review. Code 8 is a movie that stars both Robbie Amell and Stephen Amell, and that is basically why I rented it to begin with. Uh, if you didn't know, Stephen Amell is the Green Arrow, or was on the CW show called Arrow, that started up the whole... DC Universe on TV that worked really well, and they just had their their Crisis on Infinite Earths a crossover, which was really cool. And uh, Robbie Amell is Stephen Amell's brother, and I believe he played um, he played a character I think on the Flash in the early the early season. If I'm not mistaken, it was so long ago now. Yeah, right, right. He played Ronnie Raymond, uh, one half of Firestorm. Right. So they both were on the CW shows, but. Uh, Robbie was not on as long as obviously Stephen Amell was, but they do not play brothers in this, but their chemistry works really well. So in this, Robbie Amell plays Connor Reed, who is a, an individual, like a young man, kind of lower middle class or like working class. His mother is dying of, I guess, some kind of brain tumor or something. They, they live in a world where they both have powers. His mom seems to have some kind of freezing power. He has like electrical power. And in this world of people with powers, they are the marginalized. And there's a lot of like control or some kind of registration requirements for things. People discriminate against them all the time. But they live in a city that was once built by people with powers. And then they were replaced by machines. And I guess all the discrimination that was there in this movie is implying was like let loose. And so they're all basically living crappy lives. And if they commit crime with their powers the police call that a code eight so if you if you try to rob a bank or something and you have a superpower they're gonna be like code eight code eight uh so the movie itself was developed uh, the fundraising for it came from an indiegogo campaign which is interesting so in 2016 robbie and Stephen amell they, they created a short film called code eight which was a teaser they asked for two hundred thousand dollars on indiegogo and made like 2.4 million three oh it closed with 3.4 million by uh December December thirty first, twenty nineteen. So that recovered a lot of their their costs. One would hope. <laughs> so they uh, they made the movie, and um, yeah, it. I think it was. It might have been in theaters. I don't know. I rented it on iTunes. Anyway, back to the movie. Uh, I'm going to try to do this without being too spoilerific here, but uh, I'm just warning you now. I'm probably just going to spoil things because it's kind of hard to talk about it without spoiling stuff. So that's your warning. Spoilers in three, two, one. Okay. So the plot of the movie, it starts with Connor down on his luck, working jobs in construction where people with powers can can build a house real fast. So they have a, like a cool little scene where you got like the strong guys, 
like the who can like just pick pick up giant you know pieces of concrete no problem you have the the electrical people like connor doing the electrical work you have uh you know people like welding with their fingers somehow you know some power for that and that's very cool and then they get uh, raided by the police and that's when you're introduced to these like robots that they have there the police have these drones flying all overhead because powered people are dangerous and so they have to track everybody so it's like a world where your your facial recognition is just used constantly and you have a there's a file on everybody and they try to track all the powered people so they raid this place because apparently you need a, a permit to use powers on a construction gig uh which i think is a little weird you know because it's but that gets in the whole thing about like if you have a superpower do you is it a weapon is it something you need to register but it's still part of you it's anyway they don't really go into that in this movie at all but the world they live in you need to be registered to to have a permit and everything and so they're at this construction site and all of the workers have to line up including uh Robbie Mel and they have to look up at the drone drone identifies them one of them though has a warrant and so they try to arrest him Police, of course, are portrayed as complete dicks and racist, like, like you know, discriminatory dicks, uh, because this is that type of movie. It's a very cliche plot, and a lot of very cliche things happen, but it still works because of some fantastic chemistry between the Amell brothers and the fact that the effects are really cool, and the, the, the um, superpowers add just enough kind of spice to it that I really enjoyed it. But anyway, they, the guy tries to run away. Uh, from the police now you're introduced to these robots that drop out of the uh, out of this uh drone <laughs> and they're like these badass looking robots i mean they're probably just people with like a weird helmet on but they uh these these robots with machine guns they just shoot the guy in the back as he's running away i'm just like what yeah apparently i guess powered people have no rights so i it's a very dystopian world for people with superpowers uh, there's all kinds of different superpowers, though, in this world. They don't seem to be, like, the level of Superman or anything. Because, you know, I'm watching this movie, I'm like, how come they don't just, like, take over the world? Well, apparently, uh, from what I gather, is that most people's powers are probably pretty low level. Um, it's they never. Ex- I, I like the fact that they never actually explain anything. They do world building. That's a lot of the first chunk of the movie where Connor ends up getting recruited after this event happens by um, Stephen Amell's character, who... Uh, you know, needs somebody for a job, needs an electric for a job, and he does it out of desperation for money. And that's when he kind of gains the attention of Stephen Mel's character. Well, I'm just going to refer to as Green Arrow for the rest of this review. So Green Arrow sees Firestorm, <laughs> and and uh, they join forces. And so they they, they go and they, they they go through some jobs here, some small time jobs for this crime lord. Uh, and that's where you get to kind of see demonstration of powers in the movie, and I like that a lot. So you got people who are really strong, you got the electrical people, can, like, shoot electricity and, like, control it, got telekinetic people, that's Green Arrow, he's, like, telekinetic. Uh, you got, uh, some woman who can, like, burn things with her hands, I guess she can make it really hot. You got someone who is bulletproof, I think? I, I don't know, I guess he's, is he, I don't know if he's strong or just bulletproof, I don't know, but he's, he's, like, bulletproof. Like, um, really hard to kill. Uh, there's uh, also psychics who can read your mind, uh, but I, but they all seem to be somewhat limited in some fashion. And there's levels to powers because they refer to they refer to things like I need a level two electro and you're a level five. They don't explain what those are or what that means, what the scale means, or anything like that. 
so it 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 feels like a universe that is fully formed and you're just being dropped into the middle of it and just not told all the details which i like actually i like i think that's good this this movie would be a really good introduction for a tv show and i i don't know if that's ever going to happen probably not but this would work really well as like a streaming show on netflix or something because there's a whole bunch of stuff you could explore in this world with powers and the history of this world and the the, the more militarized police force they have going on and you know the crime syndicates that seem to exist but anyway, the, the crime boss that Connor's working for, like, he makes his, his money primarily through this street drug called Psych, which is like the cocaine of this world. But it's worse. I don't know exactly what it does. It seem, I don't know if it works on non-powered people, but you definitely see powered people taking it like as eye drops, and I, they get high somehow, but it doesn't really... It's like one of those movie highs where you don't really explain it. They're just like, oh, that person's high. So if you've you know, never taken drugs like that. Like, I've never had, like, cocaine or anything, so I have no idea what the heck they're modeling this high off of. But it just, like, seems like to me like a generic movie high, but whatever. Uh, it's apparently very addictive. But it's made from the spinal fluid of people with powers. So the police are always trying to hunt down these uh, farms, as they, I think they call them, where they're, they're sucking the juices straight from the neck of powered people. And then they collect the juice, the psych, and they, um, they burn it regularly. So that's kind of the background context you need to know for the, the final part of the movie. And this uh, crime boss named Sutcliffe, I think his name is, is a real skeezy bastard. Uh, and he, uh, he makes his money this way. So eventually, after a few good jobs, you know, Green Arrow and Firestorm have to try to rob a bank. Uh, and in order to get prepared for that, Green Arrow takes uh takes firestorm on kind of a little adventure of petty crime through the city to train him using his powers along with some some really classic uh montage montage of floating light bulbs so he goes around and he he just tries to teach him how to power up power up basically and gain control to like both gain control and burst ability because in order to do his bank job he needs to be able to let loose a whole bunch of voltage uh, and it works. So after that montage, they go and they rob a bank. It actually succeeds, except there's not enough money in there, so they're kind of screwed. It's at this point that the police come back into things, and they catch up with um, Connor, Firestorm. They interrogate him, and they let slip that, hey, we have millions of dollars worth of this psych we're going to burn. And so he takes that back to the crime lord and says, hey, man, let's steal this. and then." you give me the mutant you have, the healer. So this crime lord has this woman with him who's a healer, and he wants uh, her to come and, and heal his mom. So his entire motivation is just to get his mom healed. And, uh, and his mom is deteriorating throughout the film and in the hospital by the end. So, okay, fine. <clears throat> they, uh, they make a deal. And of course, there's a really kind of kind of semi cool, uh, you know, plan they go through to to try to get into this armored vehicle, and it's protected by those robots, and get to the get the juice inside, <laughs> basically trying to crack open an armored coconut and get the juice inside. So they, uh, it's actually a pretty cool scene because they it's a little tense, and the robots are there, and there's like about to be shoot off, about about to be shoot out, and then 
Connor's able to let loose with his biggest burst of electricity yet and, and gets a job done. And then there's a, a, a battle ensues. Then, of course, the, the inevitable double cross happens and most of the team is killed. Uh, and then the only and then eventually it's just down to um, Green Arrow and Firestorm, and they're the only ones, only two left. And at that point, um, Firestorm is is just kind of feeling really guilty about all this shit. People have died, and uh, that is just bad news. Uh, so he actually ends up going to the police to um, I guess the detective's name is Park, played by Sung Kang. I'm probably, probably mispronouncing it, but. Uh, was in Fast and the Furious franchise as Han, so that's why I recognize him. And he goes to them, and they, they end up coming up with, like, a plan to, you know, turn on the crime lord. And, um, yeah. They, he ends up working with, uh, well, the Amel brothers. They end up working together to take out the crime boss and there's a bit of a little bit of a fight scene with uh, a dude who apparently has like impenetrable skin and is like really strong. You get to see some telekinesis. You get to see a kind of a interesting way of killing somebody <laughs> by combining uh, a metal rod and electricity. And uh, you and then the movie the movie kind of just peters out at the end. Like you know, Green Arrow takes over the crime business, okay, because he kills off. The, the other guy double-crossed him. Whereas uh, Firestorm is just really guilty, but he still takes the healer with him, try to heal his mom. And, and, and then, but in that scene, it, you know, he realizes at this point that the healing ability works by taking on the damage of the person you're healing. <clears throat> so he knows that he's condemning this, this girl, this young girl, to her death, probably, because his mom has a terminal disease. And so she's healing him, and she's, she's healing him, and she's getting worse and worse. And he ends up, his conscious finally wins, and he tells the healer to stop. And uh, I guess it healed his mom enough to wake up from her coma or whatever, and they have a moment before she dies. And then he decides to, he's, you know, going to turn himself in and face the consequences of his actions. While, um, so, so while Green Arrow takes over the business of the drug trade. And that's kind of how it ends. It, there's not really a big flashy finale. Uh, it's not a happy ending. This is very much a uh, bad guy wins ending. In fact, uh, there aren't really any good guys. The only good guys in this are the is the one cop, the one cop, Park, because even his partner is like sort of corrupt. So he's like, there's like one character, and he's only sort of in it. He's he's only kind of a tangential character. But oh, the main crew and the main the Amel brothers, I mean, they're technically bad guys, right? For the whole thing, they commit crimes, they hurt people. I mean, they try not to kill people, but. They still do hurt people. They rob people. They they work for a drug kingpin who, you know, sucks juices from the necks of other power people. I mean, it's really pretty terrible when you actually break it down. Like these are these are not this is not a place that 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 Firestorm should have been. You know, his mother didn't raise him to con to consort with with, you know, people who suck juices from the necks of other people. That's just not not the type of person he should be consorting with at all. But he was desperate. He was desperate for money. You know. A typical, very cliched story. But it works for me. It does work for me. It's a forgettable film. I mean, and even trying to recap it, it's, it's kind of hard <laughs> to remember exactly the sequence of events because it's, it's so generic in that respect. But what really works are the performances of Stephen and Robbie Amell, especially when they're together. 
which is most of the film, so that works really well. Uh, I really like the the scene, the training scenes. Uh, they're not too long, but I, I like them a lot because it's just the two Amels together, and you can really feel the chemistry they have. Obviously, for being real siblings, and I like that a lot. I like the way the powers are shown in this in this movie. They're not flashy. They're not over the top. They blend in. I think very very well with the world. They seem very realistic. Like, if someone had telekinetic powers, what would that kind of look like? If someone had electrical powers, what would that look like? It, it, it's well thought. The effects are well thought. The, the cool drones the police have and, like, the robots they drop, it's very dystopian, uh, but totally feels modern. And, like, yeah, and, and, the, and the facial recognition, you're like, yeah, you know what? I could actually see a world where that's the direction things went, you know? If, eh. So I like that. It opens up a whole bunch of possibilities of further, more interesting stories if this were to turn into, say, a streaming series, for instance. I don't know if there's much chance of that. I, I, I doubt it. But I think that's where this would really work well. Like, if you look at a uh, Netflix show, um, what is that, uh, Altered Carbon, which just had its second season finally drop, that is a really interesting universe to play around in as well. And so I've, I've been enjoying that that season and I, I like the first season, uh, but that's a whole world. Uh, it has its own rules, has its own like technologies and consequences to those technologies and such. That uh, is really cool. And, and Code Eight gives me the same kind of feeling, where you could have a whole bunch of stories. You could change the main characters even, and you could just have a bunch of stories in this world. Actually, I really do hope they they pursue that at, at some point because I I think that would be great. The movie itself, I would say. Uh, it's worth a watch uh, if it ever shows up on like a streaming service for free. I don't know if it's worth renting unless it's like a 99 cent rental or if you really like Green Arrow and Firestorm <laughs> like me. If you really like those actors, then it's it's totally worth a watch. It's uh, entertaining enough as it goes. Um, but it probably won't hold your interest unless you're you're into the characters or you really like these kind of alternate alternate reality um, you know, people with superpowers in the real world type of thing, which I like a lot, which is why I also like uh, My Hero Academia, which is an anime. It's cool. Check it out. It's been on for multiple seasons now. Okay, so that's it. That's my rambling review of of Code 8, the film. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, stay safe out there. And I will talk to you next time. Later.